right, Rebecca. We've been building to this since April when I we did our first It Book Knockout round, um, which has become a fun monthly structure for us. I think we've had some good conversations. We get to talk about books that we may or may not read ever, but that are kind of out there and let people know what's going on. And then use our sort of internal divining rods to try to lead us to what we think the It Book of the Year is going to be today. It's not the December um, It Book of the Month because December really falls off a cliff when it comes to new releases. We're going to do the It Books of the Year. And I thought about a lot of different structures. For those of you listening, Rebecca has no idea what the structure of this is going to be. That's part of the fun. Um, Your I don't, favorite format. I don't for live episode. for much, but I have a few things. Uh, and this is one of them. And I was thinking to myself, the average American reads about 12 books a year, right? Yep. So what if we made a basket for that person of the It Books of the Year, where if I you wanted this. to do the year in reading and you, and you wanted to get a sense of what the books of the year were, these are the 12 you would read. So what I did is I made a long list of 24 contenders, okay. and from those, we will pick 12, and we'll go okay. down one by one, um, and for each, the first pass, I'm just going to ask us to do a yes, a no, or a maybe. We don't have to keep count, we're just an automatic yes, an automatic no, or a maybe is what we're mm-hmm. going to do, and then we'll see how many yeses we have, and do we have to and add or subtract yeses at the end okay. of the, at the, end of the, the run. Does that sound okay to you? Yes. This is so much better than what I was thinking I might have to do, which was at some point face Colleen Hoover against Rebecca Yeros. Well, here's a here's a hot tip. Colleen Hoover, <laughs> I didn't add to the 24 books of the year. Um, maybe we can talk oh. about that. Just I think the mm-hmm. moment it feels real over all of a sudden. And the- I mean... It was part of 2023, but it's not at the beginning, but it's not part of the ending. Not sure. part of the ending. Um, it ends with thus, I guess, would be the name, <laughs> the name of the book um, for Colleen Hoover right now. And the order they were going to go in is just the order they occurred to me. This has okay, nothing great. to say about, I just like, okay, I'm going to write down 24. I got past 24 and this is what I have. Um, okay, so, so we're just going off the dome here. This wasn't any like you didn't Google biggest book. I didn't. I, di- I well, Love that's it. not entirely true. Once I had my list, I looked around. It's like, did I miss anything? Did, is okay. there anything I'm going to feel like a real Fair. chump? Um, and I don't remember if, to be perfectly honest, I don't remember if I did any emendations that way. All right, um, I'm into this. So I guess before we get to that. Do you want to say anything about trends or, I don't know. Do we want to say anything oh. about the year so far? Good. Uh, let's do, do this. Wanna... Good year, bad year for a fan of books, what would you say? Oh, good year. Good year. We're coming in this moment straight yeah. off of our recording for the Book Riot Podcast Patreon of our favorite reads of the year. And we knocked through way more than 10 each. There yeah. were a lot of great books this year. Good. Okay. It's a good year for books and the internet did a lot for books this year like you can't talk about this year without talking about the impact of book talk i don't know how much longer that's gonna last i don't personally care about romanticy or the colleen hoover project um but sold a lot of books hooked a lot of people on new ways of reading i ultimately think that's good so yeah good year good year for books and i don't have any sense of now there's one book on this list of course that is very much a book talk phenomenon I have very little sense of the rest of them have any connection to the to book talk. I'm, I'm sure they get talked about because that's social media. But in terms of being a phenomenon there that drove a bunch of sales, I don't have a good sense of it all. If you know out there, shoot me an email, first edition mm. at bookriot.com, and you can tell me that there was um, a big, uh, I don't know, vaster wild hive out there cooking around. All right, so let's get into it. Um, oh, you know what? I just hit a sorting function, and now everything is reversed alphabetical versus the random. Oh, no. This is fun. It's undo, fine. Undo. No, no, it's undo. okay. It's all right. Um, well, should we go back to my original? Sort of, let's go back to my original off-the-dome ordering, because let's start there. Okay, well, let's start here. The Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yeros came out in the middle of the year became a phenomenon, broke the internet, broke bookstores. They couldn't keep them in track. It introduced you and I regretfully to the term spreads. Iron <laughs> Flame, the follow-up, has sold remarkably well. We're getting a series. It has ushered in the age of the romanticy that could be here for you know, 3,000 years or it could be an 18-month phenomenon. 
But the fourth wing by Rebecca Rebe- is our first candidate to be a nitbook of the year. Rebecca, what say ye? Today's episode is brought to you by The Dial Press, publishers of The Prospects by KT Hoffman. The pressure cooker of minor league baseball leads to major chemistry in this exhilarating, sexy, and triumphant Rivals to Lovers debut romance. Gene Ionescu is the first openly trans player in professional baseball. He has nearly everything he's ever let himself dream of. That is, until Luis Estrada, Gene's former teammate and current rival, gets traded to the Beavers. Now, Gene and Louise can't manage a civil conversation off the field or a competent play on it, but in the close confines of dugout benches and roadie buses, they begrudgingly rediscover a comfortable rhythm. As the two grow closer, the tension between them turns electric and their chemistry spills past the confines of the stadium. So this is one of the first adult rom-coms published by a major publishing house centering a gay trans man by a gay trans man. It also has ADHD and anxiety representation and some joyful, heartfelt moments. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to The Dial Press, publishers of The Prospects by KT Hoffman for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Tor Books. So if you are a fan of epic fantasy, if you're a fan of Scott Lynch and or Joe Abercrombie, but you want something a little different, you want a hero who's like, a bit of a mess. Then The Silver Blood Promise by James Logan is for you in its Academy dropout slash disgraced noble heir Lacan Cordova's life is in shambles. All he's got going for him is one, he is a card sharp of considerable skill and two, a lot of maybe potentially a little too much wine. So they're, you know, those are the positives. So when the bizarre murder of his father robs him of even the off chance of redemption, Lacan decides to make amends another way. He's going to unravel the mystery behind the killing, even if it takes him to the underbelly of Sophrona, a city of danger, secrets, and merchant princes. Finding the truth is one thing. Finding the truth and staying alive is like a whole other thing. So make sure to check out The Silver Blood Promise by James Logan on sale May 7th. And thanks again to Tor Books for sponsoring this episode. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. I think the burden of proof then is now, why is it not a yes? How can it not be a yes at this point? Because if the project here is, like if our task is 12 books that the general reader will enjoy, this has been big on book talk and it's been big in like the romance fantasy circles, but I have not seen it like cross into general readers. Like is the general reader interested in dragon writers who do it? I don't know. If we're trying to give the general reader a sense of what this year in books was like, it has to be a yes. But if I it's think that's what we're trying for to the do. general reader. I, I think okay. it's. I think it is. You can only read twelve books this year, and the goal is to get as much coverage as you can over I what the see. year. Okay. In well, books then, was. then it's a yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah. Well, some of that was just yes. alignment. I think maybe yeah. that's a different list. Maybe when we're uh, after darking at some point, we could say <laughs> the the best book for the general reader. But okay. Up next. Um, Again, at this at this point of the year, it feels like it's been a million years, but it sold so well, and it's still, I think, out there a little bit. I wonder how many Christmas trees will be under still, but it's spare. By I don't know how you refer to this oh, guy now, his royal whatever Prince Harry. Prince Harry. Did he give it up? They they had to revoke his whatever. Where oh. I don't know where we are now on this, but spare by the former prince artist currently or formerly known as Prince Harry. That's spare. That's a no from me. I don't tell me so. more about that. I don't think it cracks the top 12. Um, no, it's not a literary event. This is a celebrity oh, event. Yep. People who care about the royal family were reading this book. Book people who aren't interested in the royal family, I don't think, went there. And maybe we're going to get to Britney Spears later. But I do think an interesting distinction there is that I saw a lot of just book people pick up Britney Spears. Or there's maybe there's more crossover between Britney and general readers. But I'm a, I'm a no on Prince Harry, also because it was so early in the year. But I think everyone who wanted to read this has read it. Either you were looking forward to it and you got it pretty quickly, or you just don't care anymore. Um, interesting enough for us, the next one up is The Woman in Me by okay. Britney Spears. That's going to be a maybe okay. for me. I have, have a hard time books, seeing how that's a maybe and Harry's a no. Don't well, you think just in raw copies sold... And listen, mm. I I, I kind of see where you're coming from, but Harry and Meghan, like this is an active disaster scene, what's going That's on with true. their lives. Whereas Brittany, 
this is telling the story of the disaster. I, like her career well, I is think over. The, the Britney story is more culturally significant than the publicity spin project that is Harry and Meghan. Like I support their project, but I don't. I don't know. Okay. I, I I'm, there's a lot of subjectivity happening. No, here that's why we're doing. This is not scientific. This is vibes, and we're going to get weird. Um, cognitive yeah. and emotional had, dissonance. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, and if we had twenty four picks for the year, I would put Britney on the list. But it's, I'm going to say maybe, but that's really just because I don't want to say You're no. You're not ready to let <laughs> in go. the first round. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Up next, um, for a while, was the probably the most talked about book in the U.S. at least in late mid to late summer. That's the guest by Emma Klein. The story of a. Adrift, attractive, scheming, um, exploited young woman during, I guess it's about a week long. I'm not even sure it's a week in the Hamptons. Um, a, the, the, the book most likely to be picked up and turned into an A24 movie, I would say, at this <laughs> point. But The Guest by Emma Klein is your next under consideration. Yeah. I'm a strong maybe on okay. this one. I don't think it says anything that's particularly 2023. It doesn't also break like new ground in the kind of book it is. It's just a really strong entry in that kind of book. In a couple years, I don't think we're still talking about The Guest right. by Emma Klein. Like, I'm not putting it in the time capsule. You so are keeping your powder dry. That is what I feel is happening right now so far. Pro but that possibly. is fine. That is fine. That's I might be sandbagging. Do. That's a lot. Uh, up next... <laughs> Um, the Barnes and Noble and Amazon pick for best book of the year, a literary fiction hardcover bestseller, one that you and I have really enjoyed. We're just talking about the Heaven Earth Grocery Store by James McBride. Yes, yes, a thousand times, yes. Okay. Uh, do you need we say any more about it? At this no, point? it's perfect. <laughs> Okay. Everyone should read it. This is the book of the year. All Barnes right. & Noble got it right. Amazon got it right. It should have been nominated for the National Book Award. In some circles, our next contender might be all those things you just said. It's Tom Lake by Ann Patchett. Mm. This A is strong maybe. very good Patchett. Yes. It's hard to think that the story is especially au courant, though it has a COVID yeah. frame story that... I don't know what that means exactly. I mean, I didn't, yeah. we didn't do a close reading of Tom Lake, you and I, I but we both enjoyed this I, book. Yeah, I don't think the COVID frame story is essential to it. It could that could easily be moved to like the kids are home for the holidays, yeah. or there was a big ice storm or something. We're all um, back for Grandpa's funeral right. or something. There are like a million that. ways to get the gang back together. Yeah. Um, I think it's a strong maybe, kind of for the same reasons as The Guest. It's a really great example of the kind of book it is, but there's nothing really new about it or nothing particularly 2023 mm -hmm. about it. But I'm it sorry, is you very said maybe? For the maybe? Yeah, okay, yeah. Maybe. It's, it is very appealing for the general reader, but okay. it, that's currently a strong maybe, and I'm, you know, you know I'm keeping my powder dry. You're not wrong. <laughs> um, again, we're now almost a year away from some of these that came out earlier in the year. This one feels like I had to double check on my um, on my publication date because it feels like it's been with us for a while. And I don't mean that in terms of a slag, just like it's been around and people have seen people talk about and it's been on lists. It's Poverty by Matthew Desmond. Matthew Desmond's inquiry into the cycles, nature, and endurance of American poverty. That's a yes. That's a yes. Me. Say more about that. Mm -hmm. Very 2023. Talk about like you want to understand one of the most important issues that's happening in the world, in the U.S. right now. Matthew Desmond takes a, a terrific approach and writes about these very difficult things in a way that does make it possible for the reader to hang through it. Um, I think this probably feels like homework reading for a lot of general readers. It's the yeah. kind of thing that I don't I, think it I is. It's not that long, by the way. For those yeah. considering, it's not super but long. Like, I mean, you're going to learn some stuff, but it... Yeah, I don't anyway. think it feels like homework reading, no. but like most folks, I think, who are just going to pick up their 10 or 12 books a year are, I think, more reaching for books as a form of entertainment. But if I get to slide in some like, this will be good for you, and mm. it won't be uh, it won't be unpleasant in the ways that you think it's going to be. I'm I'm going with poverty for sure. Okay. Next up, um, I had a spreadsheet with with 24 
titles that didn't have this one on it. And then a mm-hmm. little um, a little avatar appeared in my Google Doc, and it was Oprah's face. And it made sure to include <laughs> the Covenant. No, I'm kidding. I had it here from the beginning. The Covenant of Water by Abraham Verghese. His totemic Oprah stan inducing multi generational family story of a curse involving drowning. That's a weird AI generated way of describing what that book was um, in my mind. <laughs> the Covenant of Water, it sold terrifically well. A crowd pleaser that clocks in at 700, 600, 700 plus pages. It's long. Really affirming that um, cutting for stone. Fluke is the wrong word, but he was not a one-hit wonder, Abraham mm-hmm. Fergaze was not. Covenant of Water, consider, for your consideration, yes, no, or maybe yes. as a book. I think, it's a, I think it's a yes. It depends on what the rest of these 24. I could see a case <laughs> for knocking it off. Um, it has sold more than a million copies. Oprah spent four months trying to move units of the covenant of water we've never seen oprah do something like that with one of her instagramming about it the number of books it sold (laughs) ain't never seen that from w right and so i have some big questions about like how many of those million copies actually got read because this is a big book it isn't like it moves around in time it's not totally clear like if you are a casual reader who doesn't have a lot of experience moving you know between like multiple generations in a story and picking up like subtle threads of character that aren't like there are not flashing lights here to be like this is the thing from the first section of the book that you probably don't remember <laughs> like there's mm-hmm. there is a lot of sort of like active memory stuff required in the reading process um i wouldn't be surprised if this one was also like pretty highly dnf'd because it can be kind of <sighs> challenging so yeah, i i don't know it's it's also I mean, a a big old fashioned novel, but not particularly 2023-ish. It is the grand literary, uh, like publishing industry mystery of the year, yeah, Um, or maybe of the last decade of like what happened. What the hell happened? Yeah. Uh, So I'm going to say yes with the reserve of like this one might get you know tippled off. If you're new to the um, mundanely, uh, the mundane (laughs) minutia. Of the publishing world, Verghese was under contract with Random House for a, was it a $3 million advance? It was seven like? figures. I don't remember yeah. exactly what the number Somewhere was. Somewhere in the low to mid seven figures advance for his next book. That did not happen. And he moved to Grove and much to Grove's delight has delivered yeah. um, what has to be one of the most profitable books they've they've ever done. I don't. We don't know anything about the terms or anything of what happened. There's some confusing messaging, even from him, about what manuscripts may or may not have existed Mm -hmm. and why things happened. I think that obfuscation is on purpose. Maybe sometime we'll know. It's it's interesting that we just had this conversation because the inner workings of publishing, especially in the modern age, has been a topic of the last several years. Um, And I'm adding this book because I think it is zeitgeisty in terms of his concerns, even if not a lot of people are going to read a university press title by an academic. <laughs> it's big fiction by Dan Sinekin, which I'm biased towards because I did interview him and I'm very interested in this. But I will say this. There were excerpts and reviews of this in places I would not have expected. The New Yorker it was and Harper. All over the, the place. It was all over the place around. And even now there's still pieces coming out. So I don't think it's a stretch to include it on this list. Tell me if it's I'm wrong now. What it, where it makes it beyond this let, let me start here. Was I right to at least consider this as a long list uh, uh, title here, Rebecca? Mm. <laughs> no, not not even to consider it. Okay, fine. So it's a no. All right, we're gonna move yeah, along. Yeah, I don't think I don't think in a general. If we got twenty four books for the year for a general reader, that a history of publishing stuff is gonna make it. Um, but I loved this for you and seeing that it was everywhere and like they got me whoever was the primary publicist for this like a plus work because the two or three weeks around when this book came out i clicked on probably a dozen headlines that were things like the man who invented fantasy (laughs) yes right yeah the problem with literary fiction and they were all the death of the author right and they were all excerpts from big fiction where i was like okay fine i will buy this book I thought the book was it's really interesting, be, um, yeah. and I I don't necessarily 
track with some of the readings of the text itself and even some of the conclusion. Well, Sinekin does a pretty good job of not trying to evaluate, but like the death of the author stuff is like, I don't know. It doesn't feel that much different to me than it did 10 or 15 years ago. And even in the Mm. 90s, I know the sales are a lot different, but Covenant of Water, Tom Lake, like these are books, if they came out in 1991, they would have sold. Now, maybe they would have sold 5X, um, but some of these books we're going to talk about wouldn't have existed in 1991. So I'm much more, it's not not surprising coming from me who's if not an Amazon apologist I'm like they're good and bad um that's come along with these these modern things and it wasn't all perfect in 1991 that wasn't the end of the good times for books right. um and, or 1958 I mean there there was no halcyon days there were no salad days that if we could have frozen in amber we'd like to right. live there um okay so moving on now Meta discourse around publishing in books definitely turned into mm. narrative um, when we get to Yellowface by Arf Kuang, who burst onto the scene with the Poppy War, I think reached a new level of reach and commercial viability and profile with Babel, and then decided to turn around and do a reflective, satirical enigmatic i would say hard to get your hard hard to find much purchase on what the specific and exact mode of critique is in yellowface mm-hmm. but yellowface bar of kwang is our next um candidate for it books yeah, that's of the year going to be a yes for me it moves quickly it sucks you in it's really sticky it's very of the moment and it's challenging in ways that I think every single last one of us needs to be challenged. I think that's also part of the reason that it didn't stick around longer yeah. or get placement on more of the best books of the year lists is that folks maybe in anticipation of this were thinking, oh, like this is going to be an indictment of a certain kind of person and I'm going to get to feel good about myself mm. while I read it. And Kwong gives you some of those moments and then comes right around the next corner with something that is indicting of that perspective or you know shows that all of this is much more complicated than any of us wrangle with on a on a regular basis or can really get our arms all the way around i think this would be a terrific book club book if you have a book terrific. club that's willing to like be a little shouty and a little bit messy there's so much to talk about and it does like if you were going to yeah talk about a book that speaks to the state of books and reading and what happens in publishing but also like what's going on with the ways we understand identity and who gets to tell what kinds of stories and also social media and cancel culture like there's a bunch of you know big cultural hooks to this one that I think a general reader could get into it's interesting it kind of fell between it's it's an accomplished book and when it came out it felt like a very big deal and then there was quite a bit of radio silence from the the mm-hmm. reading world at large i think for the reasons you just you just outlined it also kind of fell between the feel good upmarket hits like covenant of water or tom lake and as some of the books we'll we'll talk about here the again we're talking about big 5 triple a literary fiction titles that delivered it kind of fell between those i yeah, feel yeah like. that's i think that's a good point it's not feel good and it's no. also not a uh, like useful, purposeful literary downer. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Um, up next, speaking of useful, purposeful literary downers, uh, <laughs> the winner, the recent winner of the Booker Prize, Paul Lynch's Prophet Song, which I have not read. I've read everything on the list so far, just except for Spare, pardon me, or mm. Fourth Wing. So when I mean that, I've read not the biggest selling books on this list. Um, I okay. felt like I've read everything. I know enough about the rest. This I feel like I have the least sense of because it's new and it's literary fiction. It's not even out in the U.S. doesn't come out in the U.S. till December 5th. Um, so this is a near-future dystopia about a hard-right Irish government and the a family that gets caught up with it. That's about as much as I know. I will read this. I tend to read all the bookers. Um, the timing was striking uh, after mm-hmm. a weekend of violence in Dublin um, that I, I don't fully have my arms around, but it's certainly around a right wingish um, sensibility, and that's what that's what Lynch is talking about here. Again, not out in the U.S. Not it's about Ireland. It's pretty hard lit fiction, though it is spec fic, which I think is you know adds a little bit of um, I don't know. It, it feels more of the moment than if it were just even realist fiction, or historical fiction at this moment. 
what do we do with this at this point? What what does the booker I, give you to enough over the line that eventually we will consider it one of the it books? Of the year? No, by itself it doesn't. The booker yeah. can go a lot of ways, and often one of the ways is a literary darling, and the literary darling is not the thing that goes in no. the basket of twelve books. I I think it just has to be. A maybe. I have yeah. also not read it. So maybe if one of us had read it, we would what have if it's, a strong yeah, if argument. If it's good, it matters to us. If we think it's good, it will matter to us. I mean, yeah. that's just the way this um, goes. But this, it's kind of a hard pitch literary fiction about mm. a place that's different from the U.S. where most of our readers and listeners, the hypothetical reader we're talking about is based in the U.S. here. Yeah. Um, that like uh, challenging literary fiction about somewhere else with maybe like systems and politics you don't understand. I think that's a pretty high bar to clear, but it's not a definite no. Like if it's great and it gets talked about a lot, it could crack it. But since it's not out in the U.S. yet, it's impossible to know. So I think it's a maybe. It sounds like it has a has, a, has the possibility to be a, mi- a bit more narrative driven than some mm. of these others are just because, like, a family on the run from the secret police. If that's what it's yeah. about, that could that could move on rails, right? Great. And have some other stuff going on, but it could go a bunch of different ways. Yeah, I will and, await your review. An interesting counterpoint um, is Blackouts by Justin Torres, which won the National Book Award a week or so ago, which I read and I've talked about before. An elliptical, evocative, experimental, pretty striking piece of literary inquiry into. Um, I've read some more about it. I, I, it's more based, it, it's more grounded in historical reality than I thought that one of the particular people that is the text that's being investigated, that's been blacked out, that's passed from one person to the other, is based on the work of a real woman and her um, investigation into the varieties um, of human sexuality in the U.S. in the 1930s. I don't know how much that adds to my reading of it now. But it's pretty. This is not something you're going to give a general reader. It's not going to sell very well. There's a. This one will probably be yeah. DNF'd a lot because it's. You've got to give it a read. You've got to pay attention and think and focus and be okay with not knowing what's going on. Um, I really liked it, and that has a little bit of bearing here that it won the National Book Award matters. But in terms of the number of people reading it, I'm just not sure what to do with this particular title. Rebecca, help me out as someone who's looking yeah. at it from the outside right now. This is one I haven't read yet, but that I will for all of the reasons you just mentioned and that I wish I felt like I could say, yes, that goes in the basket mm-hmm. of books for the general reader. Maybe it should just by virtue of the fact that it does communicate a lot of things that are you know going on right now in the ways yeah. that we are trying to re-understand or more correctly understand history and bring back voices that were silenced or underappreciated in history. As I'm saying this, I think I'm talking myself into saying yes to it. Our job is not to make the general reader read these 12 books. No. It's to put together the to basket say, of If you want to know, you're going to read this book. About yeah, you're going to get year. through it if you want to yeah. know about the and, year in books. I, agree. Right. I, I think so, I agree with you on that. I think I'm going to actually, I think I'm going to say yes here because okay. if I put in more than 12, we can always eliminate some, but I'm going to say yes to this one. Okay. So that's a yes. Up next, interesting to have these such weird sort of pairings when you go from one to the other. Because also dealing with difficult social issues, but in the form of macabrely absurdist narrative devices, it's Chain Gang All-Stars mm. uh, by Nana Kwame Ajay Brenya, which was on the New York Times 10 Best of the Year. It's been all over the place here. It was a finalist for the National Book Award. Um We've had it was on the book riot list. It, several of our editors called it their favorite book of the year. Changing all stars, Rebecca. What are we going to do with that one? I'm going to give that one a yes for all of those reasons. Like it's dealing with cultural issues. It's got the literary genre crossover stuff that is so popular right now that gives people a way into a story about something difficult that yep. like they might not want to read straight up downer literary fiction about these ideas, but a genre twist that's well executed can make that palatable and interesting and maybe even fun. And it was just everywhere. Like this, the pure zeitgeistiness of a book like this. Like, I think I saw it on Instagram every day for the oh, last did you? seven months. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so, yes. Today's episode is brought to you by W.W. Norton and Company Incorporated. 
So Negative Space by Jillian Linden follows a week in the life of an English teacher at a New York private school. At home, her children ask constant questions about mortality and her husband offers occasional counsel between Zoom calls. At school, something happens. She accidentally witnesses an ambiguous, possibly inappropriate interaction between a teacher and a student. But how can she be sure of what she saw? Negative Space is a portrait of a woman caught between the pressures of what's normal and what isn't, and examines what we owe the people who depend on us in a fractured and indifferent world. It's a debut novel and a short novel. It's perfect if you want something quick and easy to carry around, but it's also thought-provoking. It takes place during the pandemic, but it's not pandemic-focused, and it really just looks at everyday anxieties and low-threat situations that have high consequences. So make sure to check out Negative Space by Jillian Linden. And thanks again to W.W. Norton and Company Incorporated for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Harper Horizon, publisher of Walk, Ride, Paddle. Walk, Ride, Paddle is a captivating memoir of Senator Tim Kaine's physical journey through the Virginia wilderness, but it is also a unique and ultimately optimistic perspective on these pivotal moments in history, offering inspiration, wisdom, and hope. With immediacy and honesty, Kane pulls back the curtain to reveal his inner thoughts during such monumental times. And Kane's storytelling gift and wise observations offer a fascinating glimpse into the mind of a seasoned politician and outdoor enthusiast. Walk, Ride, Paddle is available everywhere audiobooks are sold on April 9th. It is narrated and written by Tim Kaine, Virginia senator and former Democratic vice presidential candidate. It's a compelling account of one man's journey across hundreds of miles of Virginia wilderness and a moving testament to the optimistic spirit of America. So make sure to check out Walk, Ride, Paddle by Tim Kaine. And thanks again to Harper Horizon, publisher of Walk, Ride, Paddle, for sponsoring this episode. Um, speaking of debuts, late season surges was named the Barnes and Noble Discoverer Pick of the Year also made the Amazon list. It seemed, it's been on some other lists too. That way in it for the Berry Pickers by Amanda Peters, um, which is a literary, I don't know if you'd call it, mm. the plot's going to sound like a thriller, but it's not. It's pretty straight up upmarket to literary fiction about a girl who was abducted, um, an indigenous girl who was abducted by, uh, how much is this a spoiler? Disappears. And was abducted. I'll say less about it then. Um, and it goes back and forth in time and perspective to tell this story. It's a fairly simple story. It's more about the people's experience of their lives and looking backwards and forwards. It's somewhat a social issue novel, but kind of not really. It's kind of much smaller than that in terms of d- domestic, but I think that's also part of the point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very recommendable for people that are looking for a book that's compelling to read, not too challenging, but feels like it has some substance to it. So that's The Berry Pickers by Amanda Mm. Peters. I'm a maybe on this. I'm really interested in what Amanda Peters will do next. This one felt like a debut novel to me in a lot of ways. I thought I felt like she gave away too much at the very beginning, like the plot. I think is a if little... you've read a lot, you it does yes. give it away. But I think if you haven't, maybe it doesn't. I'm not so sure. Maybe not. I'm having a hard having that's, beginner's mind about yeah, that, but I agree with that reading. One reading. of the questions that I have about it is, yeah, what would the experience mm-hmm. for a general casual reader be? Because yeah, as somebody who has read a lot of books, you know, and you can see the bones of the thing mm-hmm. pretty quickly. Um, it was pretty conventional. I think it. One of the things that it has going for it is that it's the kind like you can give this book to someone who is open to exploring, you know, some stories about like the more complicated elements of North American like colonial history and the ways that we've treated indigenous people. And it's more easily accessible than trying to hand somebody like a big work of nonfiction about that or even a novel that feels like it is about that issue and might feel like preachy or polemic um like wrapping all of this in a small intimate personal story is powerful in that way i don't know that it cracks what i think of as like the books that explain 2023 or the most important books of the year i understand the celebration around it um 
But I also feel like a lot of that is a vote for Amanda Peters's career, not necessarily just this one book. So yeah, I'm hard to know. Hard to know. I mean, a, a disappeared kid uh. does a lot of narrative work for you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's hard to know. I think it's done carefully and expertly, and I enjoyed reading it. But I agree with you. Like, is it going to be one of the twelve? That's that's a high bar, man. Because we've got some we've got yeah. some cleanup hitters coming. Like the way this fell, get ready for the next five. Because um, <laughs> okay. let's get through it. Um, and I think these are going to be easy for us, frankly. Um, up first, she's not old enough to be called the matriarch, really. But I think if you're making a list of the most important, highest profile, most well-known writers of literary fiction in the English-speaking world, it's hard to think of who you'd pick in a theoretical draft like that above Zadie Smith. Her new book, The mm-hmm. Fraud, came out this fall. You and I, let's see, this show will come out before our Patreon episode with Book Riot Podcast. We're talking about our favorites of the year. It was, well, you could hear us talk about this was way up there and trying to yes. figure out our favorite book of the year. I'm going to assume for now that this is an easy yes for you. Yep. This is one that goes on the list whether people actually read it or not. Yep. <laughs> yes. Um, so, I mean, let's just chug. Can we say the same thing about The Vaster Wilds by Lauren Groff? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Can we say the same thing about Let Us Descend by one Jesmyn Ward? I am a yes on that as well. Okay. Can we say a similar but different thing about The Wager by David Grant? Mm. Ooh, maybe. Maybe. Tell me why maybe. the maybe. This book sold, got reviewed extremely yeah. well. He's out there. Is it is the ding I mean, that killers? If there is, it's a bigger deal that there's a new David Green <laughs> if killers ain't out there. I think this is a narrower readership than some of the previous David Gran books. Yeah. Like it's still Maroon. a bigger readership than the fraud, to be honest. That's true, but the fraud is doing like big cultural analysis stuff that I think everybody would benefit from. Yeah, um, like you the mean world how to clean the, how to clean <laughs> ship poles? That's not that's the not doesn't feel. The, Im- yeah. <laughs> urgent the fraud is like that kind of literature that we're talking about when we talk about like books having the capacity to make the world better like if everyone could have access to those kinds of books and wrestle with those kinds of questions and we could have big cultural conversations about those issues that were productive and not just like shouting at each other we could maybe get somewhere um listen i loved the wager i'm here for your marooned sailors with tall ships and like yeah. the infighting the and primal forces and- <laughs> of human nature under <laughs> duress right um but it's not the like signal david grand work i would give to somebody who hasn't read david grand and it's yeah. not particularly 2023 and we've had all of those other immediate yeses okay. this year so yeah it's a baby all right uh, Doppelganger by Naomi Klein. Her mm. story slash analysis of being confused forever and ever, all, always amen, with Naomi Wolf, who has taken a, let's say she's gone on a journey towards some places you <laughs> and I are not interested in going in the political spectrum. And yeah, that's that's the story. Naomi Klein, I don't, what, what would you, what, it's it's not, is this a memoir? A it's like investi- a personal investigation. It's journalism. You know, it's strange. It's a weird one. It is one. strange. It's unclassifiable. It's very heady. Yeah. Um, I think that the marketing of this book makes it play to mm. the left. And there are real reasons that folks like us on the left should read it, um, but that there's stuff here for people all along the political mm. spectrum. And I would have liked a more, I think, a, a, a broader, more generalist approach to these questions would have gotten a book with this topic onto my yes list. Okay. I want to say yes, but it's a, it's a maybe. It is now. a maybe leaning to a no the tone like it's just i think it's just too academic but it is very much about the things that are happening in the world right now yeah yeah i think there's a version of this book that's a that's a absolute yes and maybe the book of the year i mean honestly i'm not kidding yeah yes yeah yeah Yeah, there's a version of this that's like as big as educated by tara west there's a version that's a big sticky memoir um where she goes on all the talk shows but like she wasn't on all the talk shows she was on the ezra klein podcast Mm -hmm. yeah 
Um, pe- someone who did end up making on some of the talk shows late. This is one we had our eye on very early. How to Say Babylon by Safia Sinclair, her debut memoir. She's a poet um, who grew up in Jamaica in, a, I guess, it. what would you call it, a ex- orthodox Rastafarian household? It's Fundamentalist? Fundamentalist. I'm not sure like, what the right terms of art because it's sort of outside the evangelical versus you know, sort of that outside of the, the U.S. Um, spectrum of religious experience, let's put it that way. Uh, How to Say Babylon by Safia Sinclair. Rebecca, where are we going to do with this at this point? I'm going to say yes. I think there's a place on this list every year for general readers of a big memoir. Personal, nonfiction, narrative. Complex family Ain't famous. Right. Just a normal person, extraordinary, interesting life, got out of some difficult circumstances. I mean, this is similar to educated in a lot of ways. Folks in the U.S. certainly have experiences dealing with patriarchal authoritarian (laughs) figures, complex religious ideas. I think the quibbles you and I had with the book about like could have been shorter feels like a first book in some ways like it's a great first book but those are the kinds of quibbles that a 12 book a year reader is not going to have Um, and the the general readers in my life that I have recommended this to have all come back like oh my gosh what a story that was really great so that's going to go in my yes speaking of um, unusual and moving personal stories page boy by Elliot Page Mm. Elliot Page's Memoir of being an actor, of being a transgender person, and all, and all that that doesn't entail, um, came out this year. Too much fanfare. I think it sort of didn't make the splash that we thought it was. I, I have to say, my estimation for it has grown ever since I finished it. I, I don't know that I was underwhelmed. I just initially. I thought Elliot Page was going to go for more. I was expecting it to mm-hmm. go for more than it did. But when I think about what actually it did do, I think there was choices I definitely understood that I thought were interesting and provocative in withholding even some of that. Um, it stayed with me more than I thought when I first finished. I was like, oh, that was good, but not what I was hoping it would be, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Anyway, that was my brief six months later review of Page Boy by Elliot Page right there. That all makes a lot of sense, and it tracks pretty closely with my experience with it. I think he chose to be subtle in places yeah. that, as I was listening to it, I wished he had been direct and chose to be quiet in places that at the time I wished he had been loud. But when I can step back enough to think about like there are still a lot of people yes. in the US in the world who don't know a trans person who all they know of trans people is what they hear on the news or maybe characters that they see on TV this is a smart and wise and self-protective way which he's absolutely entitled and to and maybe even a little subversive in its own way a little subversive yeah, of like the, the, the to, tell all memoir that people are there for the maybe purient voyeuristic reasons right that, yeah i frankly, thought it was really smart frankly, the to spare like, woman and we stuff i have more appreciation yeah. for page boy knowing what the kind of the stuff that goes on in those other yeah things. yes there i thought i think it was a really smart choice to not make it gossipy yeah um and also like he probably could have ruined some people's oh lives my with the God. things the stories that he could have told that yeah. he chose not to tell and i think that was smart in a million different ways I'm going to say yes. I think this is an important book. Um, you know what? I agree with you. I would not have said yes even two months ago. I don't feel like we would yeah, be saying yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, Country of the Blind by Andrew Leland. We got on a little run of memoirs mm. here, um, which I think I said was my favorite memoir of the year on the show. We just recorded Andrew Leland's per- first person account of living with blindness as his blindness becomes more and more intense. Um, it's in. Relating of his own experience, but also investigation of what it means to be blind, what it can mean to be blind, what it doesn't have to mean to be blind, the politics and experiences um, and realities of people who are blind and what it's like to be moving from the side into the world of the blind. Moving, beautiful, restrained, thoughtful, a real accomplishment, I would say. I'm not sure if it's a literary accomplishment. You're not reading it just for the prose mm. kinds of stories. It's not like 
down and out in Paris and London by Orwell or something like that. But in terms of learning and inhabiting and getting to experience a world I didn't have much access to, even as the son, frankly, of an ophthalmologist, um, I found it very illuminating and moving and thoughtful. So that's, I guess I'm reviewing these now as we go. But for the, I'm telling people who it is who haven't, don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a yes on this one. I also really loved this book. It's the kind of book that I think can give readers a way into reading like narrative nonfiction and memoir that's not like it's not a juicy I came out of a like strange childhood experience and a religious sect story like mm-hmm. how to say Babylon like if you say do you want to read a memoir about a man slowly going blind most people are probably like no thanks but yeah. it's fascinating and so personal and intimate and open it's a way into reading a different kind of book. And I think if you've got 12 books to read in a year, you want to read something that is going to open open you up to some new possibilities. This is the kind of thing I just want more of in the world. So for that motivated reasoning as well, it should probably be a maybe, but I'm going to make it a yes. Okay. Um, at one point, I think I said it was my favorite novel of the year. I think it was eclipsed by the the wave of my fall favorites, but still Mm. way up there for me, a literary horror story, but it's not as horrifying as you might think. It has an interesting backstory. Um, Victor Laval got interested in black homesteaders that moved to, I think it's Montana, um, because they were promised if they could go and stay there three years, they could own the land. And for Mm. women, especially black women in distress in other places, that was a siren song slash clarion call to go try it and someone does but someone brings something with them that is both metaphorical and not and it's a fascinating evocative story it would make a wonderful jordan peele movie frankly um Mm -hmm. at this point it's it gets some recognition at the end of the list i think it's the most accomplished and most mainstream of his books um I thought it was really terrific. You have not read it yet. I think you probably will by the end of the year. So so yeah. I can go by the reading experience. You can go more by vibe check and maybe in the middle we can meet somewhere. But from your vantage point, has there been enough discourse and blathering by people besides mm-hmm. me to consider Lone Woman as one of the books we include? I don't think so. I think I want it to be a maybe, but it's probably a no. All right. Um, it did show up on a few lists. I've heard a few folks who aren't you talk about how good it is. It is on my end of year pickup list, but I don't think there's enough zeitgeistiness yep. there to make it a to make it a yes here. Okay, last one. Um, yeah, actually doing pretty well on time. We'll have enough time to sort of mull again. The biography X by Catherine Lacey, mm. FSG title came out in the late spring. Um, a high concept, high execution story where the narrator is investigating, trying to tell the story of her partner who has died, her partner being a multi-hyphenate artist of some renown and of self-invention and reinvention and self-creation that investigates identity, relationships, art, femininity, cultural appropriation, performance, a lot packed in there. I think in a lot of ways in discourse and not with Yellowface, and it would be an interesting pairing to read them back to back. Mm. It's not a satire, um, but I think it's one of the more sort of, if you carry around a Joan Didion tote bag in Brooklyn, <laughs> you definitely at least thought about buying Biography of X in April. Yeah. And we need some, I, I think we have to consider some of those kinds of books for mm-hmm. this list. And so that's, if that's why it's here. If you had asked me in April, I would have said I thought this was going to be like the literary hipster book of the year. Yeah. Um, from the way that it was, from what the discourse was like when the book was just about to come out and then when it first came out, it does seem like it kind of fell off. The literary hipster book is a hard pitch to the general reader and there's like enough weird stuff going on mm-hmm. with this like experimental form is not something you want that I think you want to put in front of the general reader. Well, if we have blackouts years. already, I mean, blackouts does even, it's even yeah. more experimental and, and borderline avant-garde. So, so maybe that's I think the one. kind of washed it out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or even, um, I, I don't know. So yeah. Yeah. No I, think or this maybe. One is a, I think it's a no. And okay. I, I guess for like, 
just to ground it in idiosyncratic preference, like I am kind of in the wheelhouse of who you would pitch this to. And I, I think keep that's interesting. looking at it and can't quite talk myself into reading it. Yeah. So I think that's both understandable, indicative, and a little too bad for the book. And, and no judgment of you, just like mm-hmm. I can see it didn't quite get over that. It didn't quite get over that hump for whatever reason. Yeah, okay. it just didn't clear it. Yeah. So I haven't been keeping track. So I'm going to count our yeses. So okay. um, let's see. Let's sort them by yes so I can do this easily. We have, oh my God, Rebecca, 12 yeses on the nose. So we don't, okay. unless you want to adjudicate anything, but here are our yeses. The Country of the Blind, Page Boy, How to mm-hmm. Say Babylon, Let Us Descend, The Vasher Wilds, The Fraud, Chain Gang Allstarts, Blackouts, Yellow Face, The Covenant of Water, Poverty, The Heaven Earth Grocery Store, and The Fourth Wing. So let's consider our maybes. Our nose, our spare, Isn't big Isn't that fiction. 13? <laughs> 12. Oh, it is 13. I'm sorry. The way I'm looking at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is 13. I have them at the bottom. I was making little dots on my paper. Okay. Uh, you're right. Thank you so much. So. Oh, no, 13. <laughs> oh, no, 13. The worst. The worst possible so scenario. Let's, so the nose, spare, big fiction, lone women, biography of X. Maybe The Woman and Me, The Guest, Tom Lake, Prophet Song, The Berry Pickers, The Wager, and Doppelganger. Mm. So that means we have 13 for 12 spots as a <laughs> content producer, the best of all possible <laughs> outcomes for me. And I was kind of sandbagging at the front. Yep. This is the worst. Okay, I'm going to start with the non-negotiables. Non-negotiables. So, I will highlight those. Okay, let us descend. Is non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. The Vaster Wilds is non-negotiable. Okay. The Fraud is non-negotiable. I don't care if people read it. It's staying on the list. That's I do fine. care, but you know. Posterity um, matters. We're making, I mean, if Posterity think matters. Is, posterity matters. Heaven and Earth Grocery Store is non-negotiable. Okay. Oh, man. Fourth wing is non-negotiable. Uh, you have to have... It, it, I just really want to make it easy on myself and knock the fourth wing you off. You can't. I, I, don't, right. I don't think you can. I, don't, I know you want to. You can't to. talk you about 2023 without talking about the fourth yeah, wing. Right. So there it goes. Um, I think it would also be tempting to knock challenging nonfiction off the list, but I'm going to keep the poverty. I think that's that's wise. We don't have a lot of social nonfiction, and that's a weaker spot of my reading, social and political nonfiction. Mm-hmm. But this is a highly anticipated, important book. I agree right. with that. For similar reasons, I'm keeping Page Boy. I think, you know what? I agree with you. Great. There's a couple things. Uh, I, there, I've got one. Well, you go through your list. I think I know what it... Oh, God damn it. I... Kind of think the covenant of water is the one to take off. I was looking at that. I think it's between that and the country of the blind. I don't think I can get rid of yellow face. I mm-hmm. think it would be a mistake to do it. I'm not interested in doing that. I yeah. think blackouts, the National Book Award, experimental, edgy. Torres is going is a star. I think we're gonna. We, there's a world where you will leave that out and you look like a damn fool. For yeah, doing same so. for Chain Gang All-Stars. I will say the same for Chain Gang All-Stars at the same time. And I, I don't even think that's close. So then the, the last three non-lock yeses we have are Covenant of Water, How to Save Babylon, and Country of the Blind. Does the... Here's the thing. If Covenant of Water came out nine years ago, it would have felt the same. Right. It feels like it came out nine years ago. Yeah. Or 20. Yep. Um, I would believe it if you handed Covenant of Water to me and were like, this was your mom's favorite book in 1988. Yep. <laughs> like, and that's not a knock on it. There's something no. to be said for like timelessness and what Verghese is doing. Um, it's hard to ignore the Stephen Douglas style getting on the back of railroad cars stumping that Oprah did for this. I don't know what to do. Because if Oprah hadn't done with that and it's the same book that's and it sells the 70% the copies even... Are we even having this conversation? No, no. Like, I think I really only finished it because it was the Oprah book, mm. and I, I really liked it. My dad loved it. The people it. I know, civilians who read books, mm-hmm. really like this book. Um, okay. So I, I don't want to. I don't want to dismiss that. Could it be a hundred pages shorter? Absolutely. <sighs> 
can you keep mm. can you have the year I, can I you just, have both how to say babylon and country of the blind of the 12 it books of the year they feel I like they're kind of in the same i don't they know they are but i think they both add a kind of reading experience that the general reader might not have hello and welcome to motivated reasoning yeah um i don't know i mean we have the triple a literary prize winning darlings like and and we have one satire from a hot we don't have a lot i mean the covenant of water would be our one representative of indie bookstore barnes and noble upmarket fiction God, the heaven and earth grocery store, man. I, I think I think that's one level above it, don't you? Or maybe you need to be one level of because we don't have Tom Lake, mm. right? Yeah, I think that Verghese is closer to Tom Lake, Tom Lake than McBride. Like it's, yeah. Well, I think I'm constructing a hot take mm-hmm. <laughs> while we're doing this. <laughs> These are he writes big books with like yeah. multi generational sagas. There's family stuff to glom onto, and like don't get me wrong, I loved Cutting for Stone. I probably would have loved Covenant of Water at half the page count, yeah. but it was I, it was a lot to get through. Um, I think it that a book that comes out that's like nine hundred pages long and deals with the kinds of things it deals with like puts on the clothes of like capital L literature in a way that I don't think it actually is. And that's not a knock. It's a no, good it's up, book. I think it's up market. I, I think it is. Up yeah. market. That's fine. I mean, that's, that's um, fine. I don't think, but it is I don't, I don't, I guess when it comes down to like looking at the other things, I don't think you're missing anything from your reading year from a well-rounded reading year. If we take off the covenant of water, I think that Andrew Leland and Sophia, Sinclair both gives some like additive things that other books on the list don't give. But if you're looking for thick upmarket or literary fiction about social issues, about life in the world as a person, like James McBride is here doing that. Zadie Smith does that in her way. Lauren Groff does that in her way, like more difficult. And Jasmine Ward certainly does that. And all of those are on there. I just, I don't know. It doesn't have the sparkle to me. Covenant of Water does not have sparkle to me. And I feel like we're supposed to say it's sparkly because Oprah spent four months telling us it was sparkly, but there was like a point where maybe that crossed into like doth protest too much for me or like trying to make fetch happen. I don't Mm. know. I have a lot of responses to something being hawked that much. Did the Country of the Blind sell 120th the copies of the Covenant of the Water? Probably not. And I think, again, I, I'm having a hard time, too, because I think between How to Say Babylon and Country of the Blind, I'm going to keep How to Say... I would keep How to Say Babylon as an audio experience, as a as a reading literary experience, as a cultural experience. Um, so unusual to me. Now, I really like Country of the Blind as well. Could Country of the Blind come out in any year? Sort of, yes. I think there's something about Oprah really going nuts in the summertime that we're going to be like... That was that was one of the book stories of 2023 mm. that just happened to be the Covenant of Water was the book attached to it. I think you yeah. can't separate them. Mm. Frustratingly compelling argument. Hum, is that what I heard right there? <laughs> Frustratingly compelling, but I'm also thinking about like the episodes we do for the Book Riot Patreon of like power ranking the big books of X year from yeah. the past. And I'm I'm casting to future Rebecca in 2033, looking back at the books of 2023. And I don't think we're talking about the covenant of water down the line. Well, like we're probably we're talking about remember girl. that time Oprah went yeah, wild. But I think that's part but, of it. Like we're not talking about fourth wing because we love the book. It's like, remember it's like how so- sprayed edges became a thing? Yeah, but it's, yeah. I don't know the like the Oprah love around this book feels feels like so inexplicable to me, especially when she's picked things that I think just on literary. I think that it adds to its case rather deserving. than detracts from it. I think the oh. weirdness of the story and the random house that got dropped and like there's like nine but different like, stories in there. Oh, 
The Country of the Blind, look, I think we've read <laughs> memoirs we like as well, if not better. I'm looking at You, Heartbreak by Florence Williams. That If we were power ranking the 10 best books of whatever book, that it's not, it's on our personal list. <laughs> I can see where you are trying to get me and I don't want to go there. Are you feeling the bishop coming in? The, the knight is hemming you in from the right and the bishop is blocking you to the left. <laughs> I'm feeling that moment where your professor is asking you leading questions to get you to well, the place. I'm, I'm not really. I, I mean, I am making the case that we that the country of the blind is the one to drop off. I am making oh. that case, and I'm just sort of explaining how I got there. Now, yeah. Again, maybe we could we could each have our list of twelve, and there's two lists of twelve, and that is the one difference, which would be a or it's like interesting a linkage. list of list of thirteen with asterisks on both of those. Yeah. <laughs> For this is the place we diverged. Mm. I haven't given the covenant of water to anybody this year. Have or you given a country of the blind to people? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Boy, talk about an idiosyncratic tiebreaker. What you personally, because <laughs> what you personally have given to other people. Well, but like the folks How many copies of blackouts like, did you give out so far this year? That's true. Zero. <laughs> um, <laughs> the civilians in my reading life who come for just like what's good and interesting that I should read. Yeah. Covenant of Water did not occur to me. And like my mom told me she picked it up from the library and I had to do a bunch of like, okay, I'm not sure that you're going to want to hang with it. Like here are the caveats about Covenant of Water. Oy vey. Not sure. How to break the tie. I hear, like, I honor the logic in your argument for taking the country of the blind off. Well, ultimately, you have humored me for yeah. eight months of the year so far. I will ultimately <laughs> bow to your decision. And now we've made the case, oh. and so people can hear where the difficulty was, and they can say yeah, they're right I, or they're wrong or they think differently. Uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, maybe it's idiosyncratic, but if I were putting together this basket for a general reader in my life, and that that person was going to sit across from me, and I was going to say, like, the remember, Here's the case that's not the why. game. The game is you're reading these twelve books I and know. no others to get a sense of what the year in books and publishing was like in 2023. Hard I don't thinking. think the Hard Covenant enough. of Water tells you as a book anything about what the year in publishing was like. It just happens to be the thing Oprah got really. Who is the single about. greatest mover of units that the world has ever seen? Who has never stumped for anything <laughs> like she stumped for this? But it was so mysterious. It wasn't like, yeah, we all know and get why Oprah is. I think that stumping adds for this. to the mystery. If she was stumping I, for fourth wing, that'd be less interesting. Well, so to like go back to blackouts. Yeah, blackouts is going on there because it's the kind of book that we wish general readers to be exposed to. Well, and it does tell know. you something about this I think if you year. are interested in the world of books and reading, and you're like, I want to get a sense of what the book world was doing in yeah. 2020. You want, to see the, you want to see the tip of the arrow, man. You want to see what is winning the highest awards and people are talking about as sort of the vanguard of you know, literary expression. But like, there are plenty of books that sell a million copies because Reese Witherspoon talks about them. And are this there? Was the big I don't know that there are. Rebecca. There have been some. Or is it because we always wonder about because of Reese? Would I have put where the crawdads sing into this basket yes. a couple of years ago? Yes, you would have. <sighs> I guess I would have. The same reason too. Fourth Wings on here. But I would have. Yeah, it would have had like an apology note stuck to the front of it. Oh. I'm just refusing to do it, Jeff. I'm not taking the covenant. Okay. I'm not leaving covenant of water in. All right, it's out. So our 12, Fourth Wing, Heaven Earth Grocery Store, Poverty by Matthew Desmond, Yellowface, Blackouts, Changing All-Stars, The Fraud, Faster Wilds, Let Us Descend, How to Say Babylon, and Pageway. What's interesting, if you'd asked me to drop a list of books on January 1st, knowing what was coming out, I think I would have had like nine of these. The yeah. surprises would have been Fourth Wing. Mm -hmm. um, I would have Poverty. I probably would have... This I didn't know what Blackouts was, but I knew there was a Justin Torres novel. I probably wouldn't have put it on already because it's a sophomore novel you don't know, and the first one was pretty small. Yeah, Changing Ulcers, I would have known. The Fraud, I, Fraud, Vasher Wilds, Les Ascend, mm -hmm. absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And then Page Yeah, Boy. that trio for sure. Yeah, and then Page Boy. Knowing like Ellie Page is doing a memoir, absolutely, I would have considered it. For, yeah, for and at the top of the year, I would have said, I hope we're putting James McBride in this basket at the end of the year. But like he yeah. became the kind of story this year that I've wanted James McBride to be. Yeah. Um, listeners can send your angry emails to Jeff at first edition. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rebecca, what's your Instagram? I'll put your Instagram <laughs> in there and they can do reaction videos to you. 
That was fun. Don't send Oprah for me. That was. I'm glad we didn't have two to get rid of. Good lord, what a blood sport! To, to <laughs> that was one. tough. Very tough. Painted stuff. myself into the hardest possible corner. Yeah, very difficult stuff. Um, you can find out more about First Edition at bookride.com/slash/listen. Also in the show notes, you can find links to the First Edition Substack, to Instagram, and if you have a few moments at the end here of the year and you want to give the show a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, do so. You could also hear Rebecca and I talk about the kinds of stories that she didn't think were worth pushing the <laughs> coven of water into. <laughs> stories about what's going on in the world of books and reading on the Book Riot podcast, including our favorite books of the year of 2023 as part of the Patreon over there. There's a link over there as well. Rebecca, January loads them up. We empty the revolver yep. and they start putting the bullets back in and we're at the saddle. I will be ready. I will talk to you later. Thanks so much.